we sit and join the shade. Hey, brother, pour the wine. Drink the drink that I have made. Hey, brother, pour the wine. Tell you why the day is sunny. I'm in love with lips of honey. Well, Good evening and welcome hey, brother, to Drink in the, the Style, brought to you by Habitation Furnishing and Design. In addition to the District Edina, your singular destination for a myriad of home building, remodeling, and design services. I'm your host, Gregory Rich, and I'm going to help you kill your early evening with some booze and conversation. This evening, we are moving outdoors. We are joined by Mr. John Slack, Associate Principal for Urban Design and Landscape Architecture Practice Lead for Minneapolis-based Perkins and Will. John, welcome to the program. Uh, thanks, Greg. Uh, Greg, it's uh, nice to be here, and thanks for the invite. I'm thrilled to have you, because you know what? Outdoors is becoming more and more important, and, you know, uh, let's talk about what we should be doing with it, both uh, commercially, because you guys do a lot of commercial work, and residentially, because you do a lot of residential stuff in general, correct? Uh, correct, yes, yes, and I guess we'll talk a little bit more in detail about what that sound, what that means. <laughs> you have a home. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, ladies and gentlemen, a moment of silence. Our coctologist... Mr. Dan Newkirk, close personal friend of mine, is currently taking refuge south of the border, waiting out the upcoming elections with our amigos somewhere in Mexico. And because I am not the best planner in the world, and I am a little lazy from time to time, I have not brought in another coctologist quite yet. But we'll have somebody on the show to do a little bit of mixing next week, I promise. Well. I'll do my best. So what we're going to do instead is what Gregory Rich always does when he is shy a coctologist, basically just pours alcohol in a glass. So Johnson, please fire up the mixing music. This evening, we are drinking whiskey, just plain whiskey. Specifically, though, the Yamazaki single malt Japanese whiskey aged 12 years. This bottle was a gift from a friend of mine, but she was introduced to it by someone she no longer likes. So I've decided that we should just drink this damn thing and never speak of it again. So all I've done is grabbed a couple of rocks glasses. I have filled them with rocks, and now I'm pouring in the whiskey. And you know what? I should not be ashamed of this because, frankly, the world needs to learn to drink straight whiskey on the rocks again. No sugars, no foo-foos, just Give me some damn whiskey. Amen. Yes. Thank you, Brett. And there it is. Look at how incredibly easy that was. Thank John? You. And Johnson, yours will be here when you're ready in between the segments. Let's have a little sip, and then uh, John's like, tell me what your thoughts are on Yamazaki single malt Japanese whiskey. What do you think? Uh, delicious. Okay. I'd I drink it again. <laughs> you will. We got to have it. And I likely it. will, yes. <laughs> no, it's good stuff. It runs like 100 bucks a bottle. It's not cheap. But um, it is really, really delicious. And the first time I tasted it, um, I actually uh, uh, was surprised. It tastes a lot more like a scotch than like your traditional Irish whiskey or Kentucky whiskey. Um, I don't know what Japanese whiskey supposed to taste like. I guess it doesn't exist. But I am told that actually the people who distill this were trained to distill whiskey in Scotland. So this is Japanese scotch more than anything else. It picks up a huge peaty flavor. Um, but over the, over the uh, uh, rocks is really nice because you need a little bit of that water to open it up. Yep. 
we did a quick warm-up shot with some whiskey before we went uh, into the recording space here. And I got to say, it's a world of difference between just the straight and a little bit of water. And yep. it opened it up completely. Absolutely. All right. So there it is, ladies and gentlemen, Yamazaki single malt Japanese whiskey. Let's move along to tonight's general, not the tiniest bit random, random question. John, I didn't give this to you ahead of time, did I? No. (laughs) (laughs) What region, in your opinion, does the best job with landscape design? In general, and I'm talking, you can say, European gardens are breathtaking, Japanese spaces, Chinese, pagoda, outdoor zones, Native American open plains, step pyramids, the world's your oyster. When you go outside, who do you think has the most beautiful created environment? Uh, A great question, you know, somewhat of a loaded question. You know, I I think that... um each part of the country, each part of the world, you know, takes takes a different approach to design. Mm-hmm. And uh, in the design of their outdoor spaces or public spaces, it's really about uh, uh, highlighting the culture, mm-hmm. hiding, highlighting the, the natural plant materials. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that, you know, each, each uh, reg- quote-unquote region um, does it in, in such a great way that uh, it makes these places unique and special and uh, really memorable. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so for me personally, you know, I'm, I've always been uh, drawn to and attracted to um, sort of Japanese style landscape architecture, mm-hmm. uh, sort of minimalist, um, really uh, a lot of symbolism in the design. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, also being from un- the United States and growing up in the Midwest, I'm also really attracted to the natural landscapes of, of you know, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Iowa. Kind of the more open plains, the more, the less curated yes. environment. Uh, pra- prairie landscapes, natural ecosystems, uh, mm-hmm. transitions, uh, uh, really the landscapes are created from, um, you know, uh, things that have happened uh, in the past. So uh, ice, ice sheets mm-hmm. uh, drawing back from, from uh, northern states and, and really leaving an amazing landscape uh, in its place. You know, it's, it is interesting. I, I never even gave a thought to uh, the Midwest in general because I view it as kind of just uncurated openness. But there's a beauty to that that you should acknowledge. The Japanese aspect, though, is truly breathtaking. I mean, I, I don't eat fish, so I could never make it through Japan uh, except if with a pack full of, like, energy bars or something. <laughs> but uh, I would love to see the, the beauty of that. Regarding the Midwest landscape, though, I have a question for you. How do you define wildflowers? So uh, for me, what, quote unquote wildflowers mm-hmm. are uh, plants that are native to the region or, or the, the locale. Okay. And so for, um, you know, upper Midwest landscapes, you know, we're, we're talking about uh, short grass prairie, tall grass prairie. And so for me, wildflowers are flowers, uh, perennial plants that bloom. Uh, that are part of those those landscapes. So perennial plants, meaning they come through. So I would ask, you know, like, is a dandelion a wildflower? Um, in in theory, yes. And you know, I think that there's uh, a lot of uh, trends uh, in landscape architecture where people uh, are looking at 
these types of plants that are considered uh, weeds by mm-hmm. a lot of people, mm-hmm. and and their survivability in re- the harshest of landscapes. You know, in the in the cracks out in the parking lot, what can survive there? Dandelions, other types of weeds, and is there is there value to looking at uh, those as a as a landscape resource? See, now I'm so glad you said that because that's exactly where I was going when I had. Uh, that property in St. Louis Park in, on Excelsior Boulevard, I had this circle, circular space that was hedged. It wasn't hedged out, but it was like uh, weed guarded out. So it was just a circle. I planned to put an arch- a piece of architecture, a, a sculpture of some kind in it. And I didn't. And eventually uh, – and, and, and I didn't because I hate St. Louis Park um, – weeds started to grow. Mm-hmm. And I decided I'm going to let it. These are wildflowers. So a woman came by at one point. She was walking her dog and I was out uh, cleaning up the, gra- the, the the parking lot or something. And uh, and she came over and she said, hey, she was really nice. She's like, we were all kind of wondering what you guys are going to do about that space over there. And I said, you don't like my wildflower garden? <laughs> and she looked at me and she goes, oh, those aren't wildflowers. Those are just weeds. And I said, well – I truly don't know what the difference is, and I'm not sure there is one, but it's okay because I'm going to take them all out anyway because I was going to be throwing some rocks in. Um, but I've always questioned, is that the case or is that not the case, uh, that weeds are wildflowers? And again, the wildflower is in the eye of the beholder. Absolutely. All right. See, we have proven that I was growing a wildflower garden, correct? Uh, to some extent, yes. <laughs> John Slack, running for Congress in the 23rd District. (laughs) Just kidding. Uh, Hey, you're listening to AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, and we are going to be right back. This is Gregory Rich from Habitation Furnishing and Design and Drink in the Style. You may not realize it, but a trained, skilled interior designer cannot just beautify your space. They can functionify it as well. I don't know if that's a word, but it is a thing. So why not check out HabitationDesign.com and see if it looks like we're right for you. If it does, give us a call and let's schedule an appointment, in person or virtually, to make your home exceptional. HabitationDesign.com This is Dr. Sarah Brewer and Dr. LaShonda Jung from Roots Chiropractic. We all want a higher quality of life, but making that happen can be difficult. At Roots Chiropractic, we specialize in light touch specific neurological adjustments to support your body's natural ability to heal. From birth trauma to everyday bumps and falls and life's daily stresses, at Roots we offer natural, drug-free solutions to keep every baby, child, parent, and grandparent thriving. Are you ready to restore your energy and achieve overall health? We are located off of Minnetonka Boulevard in St. Louis Park. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram or on the web at rootschiropracticmn.com. Book your first appointment online today. Mention that you're an AM 950 listener and receive the VIP discount of 50% off your initial exam. Roots Chiropractic, located in the Texatonka Plaza in St. Louis Park. Roots Chiropractic, empower your life and health. There's a few more lonesome cities that I'd like to see. While the wine of wandering is still inside of me 
Welcome back to Drink in the Style. I'm your host, Gregory Rich. My guest is John Slack from Perkins and Will. Mr. Slack, sir, introduce us, if you would, to Perkins and Will. Okay. Um, so Perkins and Will is a uh, global design firm. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's approximately 25 offices located around the world. And um, as a firm, uh, we focus on uh, design uh, as it relates to architecture, interior design, uh, branding, uh, landscape architecture, urban uh, planning. Uh, so a, a wide a range of uh, different design disciplines. Um, mm-hmm. And oh, go, go ahead. ahead. No, no. Well, uh, and, uh, you know, the, the ability to work across um, – the world uh, allows us uh, within local offices to bring sort of uh, international experience uh, with sort of a local perspective on mm-hmm. projects. That makes a lot of sense because you've got that that breadth and depth of, of things. Is that – I mean that's kind of interesting. So when you do international projects, are they looking at you to bring in kind of an American perspective or reflect their own local aesthetics? Yeah, uh, you know that's a really good question. Uh, in in some capacity, it might be both. But uh, when we work on international projects, uh, as I sort of mentioned uh, as part of the first segment, you know, f- at least from my perspective, uh, as it relates to landscape architecture, urban design, it's really about understanding the local culture. It's mm-hmm. really about understanding uh, what makes a place um, uh, a place, mm-hmm. and sort of trying to uh, build off of that uh, through the design process. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's primarily the, the landscape is going to define the energy that you're going to experience when you walk into a building that you're designing is, is your thinking. Uh, yeah. You know, um, these, these, these uh, design disciplines are, are, are completely integrated. And so um, every building has a site. Every mm-hmm. site has a building, you mm-hmm. know, in some capacity. And uh, so it's really about really balancing uh, sort of the needs and desires of the client, i.e. the community in some cases or a, a – a client mm-hmm. uh, with uh, sort of what what a site uh, story is because every every site has a story every site has history every site uh, wants to be something and mm-hmm. so it's really trying to um, sort of open that up and really understand what that is to sort of inform a uh, design process kind of like reading a green uh, literally it is like reading a green it's really understanding uh, wh- what the next move is going to result in and is that kind of the nature of a landscape architect I mean that phrase itself sounds kind of interesting. It could mean anything from redevelopment of a site to, you know, simply planning in and around it. I mean, what exactly – how do you define landscape architect? So uh, to me, it's, it's, a, it's a really d- d- diverse profession. Um, you know, you have people who, who uh, can be landscape architects who really focus on sort of plants. Uh, so pl- plantings for projects or um, – Ecosystems, uh, restoration of, of native landscapes, uh, and then the opposite, maybe the opposite end of the spectrum of, of that is really the, the the urban design aspects of it. So designing of uh, public realm spaces. So you can imagine um, uh, designing like the Nicollet Mall in downtown or an urban park, uh, sort of in an urban center, as sort of the the two opposite ends of what landscape architecture is. And 
there's there's a lot of different tracks you can take uh, when you when you study landscape architecture and sort of come out of school and, and uh, identify you know where you want to focus your attention. And if there's if someone is undertaking a new project, they're building a building on a given site. At what point would you be consulted within your firm? Are you talked? Are they going to talk to you about citing the building within the landscape, or basically are they going to hand it over to you and say, "Now figure out what what's happening outside"? So um, generally, design uh, should be a collaborative process. Mm-hmm. Uh, you bring sort of the best minds um, to the table to really kind of talk through and walk through a, a design process and. Uh, in a process uh, that's that you described, where you know you're you're building a new building on a site, um, in theory, landscape architecture uh, should be at the forefront of that conversation uh, oh. with the architects. It's really about identifying a site, identifying the best spot to locate a building on the site based on a, a lot of different variables. Um, and then as the building design starts to evolve, uh, you need to provide sort of all the different site amenities that go with that, whether it's like, Connections to the building, parking, uh, stormwater management, natural areas, those kind of things. And so um, the involvement should happen theoretically throughout a process. Which makes sense. So what you're talking about, drainage, I mean, those are the fundamentals of landscape design. You've got to, I'm sure, realize you can't fight against nature. You've got to integrate it, right? Yeah. I mean, so so when you're taking a look at, at a, a given site, you know, what's – how much – I guess it depends on the client. How much effect are you going to have on it? I mean in most cases, I would think that these days people tend to want you to maximize what already is there. But what are the limits of what you can do to reroute or to change an architecture – a landscape architecture? Well, um, you know, that, that's, a, that's a great question because it's um, – there's sort of two different um, perspectives on a question like that. There's mm-hmm. projects that are maybe for private clients. Mm-hmm. And there's projects that potentially are for public clients. Public clients um, ne- uh, need more input uh, because, in general, if you're designing a park for a community, um, you just don't have one client at the city. The whole community is the client. When you're designing a, a private um, headquarters for a corporation, you know the client pool starts to really shrink. And so, um, you just really need to understand the the needs and desires of those individual clients. And you, you take sort of their input uh, and then you, you start to manifest that through the design process. And really, um, ultimately, the hope is that you come out with a, with a design that really supports their needs and desires and really reflects sort of the, the corporate values or the, the public values that, that uh, the client uh, has. Fair enough. And I guess that would make sense. So, you know, you'd have to have an open enough design that everyone can embrace it. And the only way you can do that is if you are reflecting their already, you know, preconceived concepts of what aesthetically should happen. Yep. Fair enough. How about – this wasn't on the thing, so I'm going to throw it out at you. You done anything crazy? What would what, what you say is, is uh, perhaps the project that you are most proud of to date? Um, uh, you know, I, I – uh, maybe, maybe I – this is my political side, but um, <laughs> they're, they're, they're all really important projects. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I – and you, I have to look at it from the perspective of, of the client side. Mm. For each client that I work with, this is this is you know at the at the moment the most important project for them. Mm-hmm. And so for me, you know, there's there's a maybe 10, 15 different projects that stand out as as projects that you know are projects that I go back to as as you know some of the best projects that I worked on. But uh, for me, it ultimately ends with um, you know did I work uh, on a project with a great client? 
a client that was open to new ideas, did the did the implementation of the project, so the construction of the project, or if it's a planning project, did the the outcomes of the project uh, result in um, something that the city or the client can ultimately use to be successful, mm-hmm. and uh, ultimately do the end users, so that the citizens of a community, uh, the the people who work at the corporation, um, do they do they enjoy and do they use the landscape uh, in in the way that we designed it to be used, um, so. I won't name a project, but you know, um, I gave it, it a try. Yeah, there, I gave it. There, a, I there, thought you were going to say there was, you know, I, I rerouted a river around a building with a, a, a swan spewing statue, spewing water into the sky. That, that would be cool, but no, <laughs> the, the, there isn't a pro, there isn't a project like that. So, but however, if I told you I wanted that, you could make that happen. Uh, y- yes, <laughs> in, in, in theory, we could make that happen, but we would also, you know, we don't want to we don't want fi- to fight natural systems. You know, I'm, I'm gonna I'll be honest with you, Greg. We're we're not gonna be able to run water uphill to get to your swan pond. The Romans could do it. You can figure out a way. We could figure out a way to do it. We'd pump the water uphill, but exactly. you know, it's it's just gonna cost you more. Well, now you know how to get me to stop looking at any idea. Well played. (laughs) All right. We're going to take another quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about uh, kind of all the stuff that's going on in this age of COVID and uh, um, what we're doing outside for that. Looking forward to it. Stick around, ladies and gentlemen. I've been to town. I've walked the highways and the How's your back? This is Gregory Rich from Habitation Furnishing and Design and host of Drink in the Style. If you've been working from home, you may be noticing the shortcomings of that one-size-fits-all desk chair that you bought at Office Warehouse. So I'd like to invite you to check out the most durable, most supportive, and most productivity-inspiring line of office chairs that I know of, the X-Chair. Dozens of settings ensure a perfect fit, so you can focus on your work and not your butt. Seriously, the seat moves forward and backward, the entire back moves higher or lower, the self-adjusting lumbar support provides the perfect level of resistance, and you can only experience the X-Chair in person at Habitation. So if you're ready to upgrade your homework environment, come check out the X-Chair. Habitation Furnishing and Design, 7777 Washington Avenue South in Edina, and online at habitationdesign.com. Again, habitationdesign.com. These days, our home is the center of our world. This is Gregory Rich, founder of Habitation Furnishing and Design and host of Drink in the Style right here on AM 950. If we're all going to be spending a lot more time at home, doesn't it make sense to make your space the most attractive and most functional space it can be? At Habitation, my experienced, degreed interior design staff can help you select the perfect furnishings for your home and your lifestyle. Furniture is more than one size fits all, and there's more to making a room work than a couple of chairs and a sofa. Whether it's a modular sectional carefully selected to maximize your living room or the perfect bed, dresser, and nightstand combination to create your dream bedroom, Habitation can help you achieve the space you've always wanted. So check us out online at habitationdesign.com or schedule an appointment at our Adina showroom. Habitation Furnishing and Design. Make your home exceptional. How can you say something new about being alone? Tell somebody you're a loner, right away they think you're lonely. 
It's not the same thing, you know. It's not wanting to put all your marbles in one pocket. And it's caring enough not to care too much. And mostly, I guess, it's Welcome back letting to yourself come Drinking the Style. Saturdays at 7, Sundays at 5 p.m. on AM 950 here in Minneapolis. And omnipresent as a podcast, currently being beamed into outer space, I am sure, where some kind of tripedal muskrat-like creature will discover it and launch a series of Drink in the Style two-hole t-shirts. You agree? <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> this is my retirement plan. I, I mean, this is what I assume is going to happen with the tripedal mus- muskrats. Can I buy in? <laughs> Invested already, yeah, yeah. Oh, you're in, baby. You are in. This is Gregory Rich, and uh, we've been talking with John Slack about landscape architecture, both on and off the air. And it's such an important thing that uh, uh, these days we we use our outdoor spaces effectively. Um, But, oh, wait, and before I I go into that, I should get uh, tonight's musical notes out of the way because people are still probably wondering what that particular intro was from Frank Sinatra. I'm sure John was. You look confused. I, I, I am somewhat. As well, you should be. So let's do tonight's musical notes. This album is called A Man Alone. Okay, this was some interesting nonsense. Released in 1969, A Man Alone was the combination of music and spoken word. It was a tribute to an American poet named Rod McEwen. I have no idea who Rod McEwen is, so I'm guessing that he was a big deal in the 1960s, but didn't have a lot of staying power. You can correct me if I'm wrong. All the tracks have a certain amount of melancholy, so it's not really my bag. In between the musical tracks, though, is Sinatra reciting McEwen's poetry, which is what he was doing at the top of this segment. Poetry isn't my bag either, so I can't really speak to its quality, but given that no one talks about poet McEwen anymore, I'm guessing that it didn't change the world. Still, the whole thing is a curiosity. From a musical standpoint, there's great arrangements, and Sinatra's voice was just starting to get that really resonant vocal fry that a lot of people associate with him. Also, it's kind of interesting to hear the chairman's New Jersey Italian accent doing the spoken verse. Bottom line, grass. Johnson, what's grass? The Gregory Rich Album Acquisition Scale. Top notch. If I give the politically correct answer. That's exactly right. I'm going to grasp this out at 26 out of 31 beat generation finger snaps. Did that make sense to you? Was that 26 snaps? No. However, so you know the beatnik snaps, right? Yes. Okay. I decided I wonder how many snaps would be an appropriate number of snaps after someone had done some poetry. So I sat in my office and I snapped. And counted how many snaps it was till I was tired of snapping, and that number was 31. <laughs> I love the extra effort, the extra mile you went into the show. Yeah, yeah. It's all about authenticity. There's yeah. there's a lot of science and data behind that. I can see. <laughs> it's definitive. Yeah. It's absolutely definitive. Yeah. No, it's kind of a it's it's kind of a cool album. I don't know. I could actually I put it on my album collection, so you can just kind of play it in the background and listen. A it's way bit. different than any other album you've had on here. Yeah. It's. It totally is. I mean, I thought when I originally saw the album title, I've said, you know, Sinatra, the chairman, is always kind of throwing it all out there. His albums actually meant 
reflected what was happening in his life. And he was therefore no doubt feeling alone. End of the 60s, honestly, his time had passed. He actually had was just about to retire. He went through an early retirement, not an early, but a, a retirement and then a comeback. And I thought that would be basically the theme I was going with. But then I found out about this McEwen guy. And uh, I thought that was an interesting story to tell. Well, that's definitely fitting, yeah, because that was about the era where mm-hmm. exactly. time was passing him by, pop music was taken over, right. Yeah, it was, it was the sunset. He was a man alone. But sometimes being alone isn't terrible. And remember, Johnson, drinking alone only means you enjoy your own company, and that's psychologically healthy. There you go. The more you know. I need to throw that sound effect in there. <laughs> the, more, <laughs> the more you know sound effect from those old NBC PSAs. The things I've learned today. I, I was worried I was not going to learn something new today, but I've learned a lot already. It's an educational program. It, We're very proud of it. It, it really is. <laughs> the NEA, the, 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 the Teachers Association, has fully endorsed it, but only listening to it in the teacher's lounge. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about outdoor spaces again. Let's talk about oh, this age of COVID. I would think that in this age of COVID, your particular set of skills are in demand. Are you seeing clients looking for, you know, uh, looking more carefully at outdoor spaces? Are they giving it more thought than they were in the before times? Uh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I think that um, people are, are, are thinking about how they're going to work differently in the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the fact that uh, a lot, if not most of us, are working from home, um, thinking about how the outdoor environment can be part of sort of our normal routine, our daily routine now. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, whether this is a corporate client who's looking for the opportunity for employees to be in an outdoor environment where they can still work and engage uh, but feel more comfortable, mm-hmm. uh, or this is uh, you and me working at home mm-hmm. uh, where the outdoor environment becomes part of the, the indoor environment and it's a seamless transition between inside and outside. Uh, COVID has sort of moved the needle for us to think about uh, in different ways, you know, how we're going to use our different environments to be able to, to, you know, do what we do, live, work, and play. It's critical. I mean, you know, we have no choice. We have to have living space. We need to maximize whatever we're using. When you came by the district building, and I hit you out, were we talking at that time about the outdoor conference room? I don't remember that. I know we talked about the outdoor spaces and the mm-hmm. functionality and flexibility that those spaces need to provide to, to you know, the people who are using the building, the, the tenants of the building. But I don't think we talked specifically about an outdoor conference room, which I think is a great idea. Thank you very much. That is super cool. Outdoor conference room. Right. So if you recall, the one section on, I think it's the, uh, I think that's the west side of the building where I talked about growing ivy up and there's the bridge that goes over the entrance yes, yes, on the yes. side, yep, yep. putting a roof over the, uh, the far outside and then turning that into some kind of semi-enclosed outdoor conference space. I should just, just by way of background with the user, John and I are uh, actually golfing buddies from time to time. And uh, he was kind enough to swing out and I squeezed his brain for some input on the uh, District of Dinah building, which by the way, that's your cue to talk about how gorgeous the grounds are. Cue. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's a, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a nice building, you know, mm-hmm. I think within the context of, of the building on the site, it's a beautiful site because it's right along the Creek. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really wooded. Um, and so I feel like if, if you were to visit the building or if you were a tenant in the building, um, 
the the concept of indoor outdoor space is is definitely prevalent there, mm-hmm. and there's a really uh, strong opportunity to to build off of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I do remember the space that you talked about because I think we in the context of that conversation we talked about. Maybe it was a salon or it was... It was a massage parlor. Massage parlor. I wanted to put a uh, bodywork studio. I mean, massage parlor sounds seedy, but, you know, this is a Dinah and it's me, so it would be not seedy. Yeah. But, um, yeah, no, the city wouldn't let me do that. Okay, okay. <laughs> so we actually have leased that space to uh, a home audio video media uh, company called Home Media Innovations. William Denzer uh, was my guest last week on the show talking about it because that kind of zone is perfect for what he was doing. But maybe I should have you out to the building again and you can tell me how to do this outdoor conference room. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. See? That's legally binding now. That's yeah, an oral, as, that's a verbal contract. As long that as there, is I guess as long as there are drinks involved, I, I, I'm willing to go maybe anywhere, right? There are always drinks involved. I used to make drinks at my kids' pony parties. Uh, it, it was my way of making sure parents would stick around and make sure they, they'd take their kids out at 1 o'clock. I would do a cocktail available for everybody. Yep. Kids, proud of that. Kids' birthday parties are... Um, the maybe the one time now that I drink the most. <laughs> Seriously, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's, uh, especially when it's my kid. I'm at home. You know, we're yep. we're we're welcoming people. Well, we used to welcome people over, right? <clears throat> mm-hmm. uh, right. And, and when people are over, you you just you drink and have fun and socialize, and the kids go off and have their fun birthday exactly party right. related activities and as it should be, as it used to be in the day, and then for a period of of. Neo-prohibitionism, nobody could drink, and it's making its way back. Yep. All right. Let's talk again about outdoor spaces, though, because I have a couple of key questions. You, uh, we were talking uh, about kind of residential. Now, you used to do residential. Your current firm, you don't do residential uh, uh, landscape design anymore. But what are you seeing in residential, uh, you know, or or is your philosophy on residential landscape architecture? And I'm gonna ca- I'm gonna caveat that with or. or Rider that with resumercial concepts. Are you seeing residences doing commercial-like things on their properties? Uh, good, good questions. Um, again, you know, there were six uh, re- of them. I'd like you to answer them yeah, in order. Uh, <laughs> residential is not uh, what I do professionally, but um, you know, the the indoor outdoor uh, experience, mm-hmm. the interaction, the ability to move in indoor and outdoors is is I think a big trend that you've seen in residential over the last couple of years and in in the time of COVID even more so. Um, You know, the ability to open up some doors, uh, glass panels, Mm -hmm. to have that indoor-outdoor living is Mm -hmm. is beneficial on so many different levels. And uh, we are seeing um, uh, private clients, so corporations, uh, other types of entities uh, where where that is desirable. You know, mm-hmm. the opportunity to, to, to bring the indoors outside and, and vice versa is is really important. And um, for, for many reasons, you know, the ability to, to just be able to breathe fresh air, mm-hmm. the ability to be outdoors, soak in the sun, to be in a different uh, spot and work outside of your desk or your office. Mm-hmm. You know, th- there's just so many um, uh, benefits to, to that that can't be quantified. Um, and so I, I see that as a continuing trend. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, in, in times of, uh, uh, you know, bigger, bigger things that are going on around us, so climate change, um, uh, social injustice, those things like that, 
you know, the I think the opportunity to think about landscapes differently is is sort of a critical conversation that that we should be having. And I can see, especially in sort of the indoor outdoor interface, um, you know, some of those bigger conversations in informing and influencing what design looks like for those spaces in the future. That makes a great deal of sense, no question. And uh, you know, again, it's almost like a uh, a silver lining in all of this because we should spend more time outside. We should spend more effort and making outside, you know, livable and usable um, and getting rid of kind of this just, you know, cookie cutter, this is just what you walk through on your way into the building. Right. But I do want to ask you also about uh, um, outdoor spaces. So we were uh, uh, admiring this one very old inn in Rhode Island that we were staying at a while back. And the backyard, which was basically a rectangle, that in a residence, I mean, similar to my backyard specifically, would just be pure grass. And we noticed they had put tables, they put a walking path, they had dropped plants in between or trees in between. And instead of having this like open vacant space, they had created usable functional space, which struck me as kind of a resumercial type of an application. I'm really hoping that people pick up on this trend. So you're going to make that happen, right? Um, n- not sure if that was a question or not, but um, we, we the can... answer is yes. <laughs> then, then maybe. It's <laughs> <laughs> a smart man. All right, we're going to take one more break, and when we come back, we're going to quickly do the habitation audio log and round out our conversation with Mr. John Slack. Stick around as usual, ladies and folks. Ooh, ladies and folks, I like that. This is Dr. Sarah Brewer and Dr. LaShonda Jung from Roots Chiropractic. We all want a higher quality of life, but making that happen can be difficult. At Roots Chiropractic, we specialize in light-touch-specific neurological adjustments to support your body's natural ability to heal. From birth trauma to everyday bumps and falls and life's daily stresses, at Roots we offer natural, drug-free solutions to keep every baby, child, parent, and grandparent thriving. Are you ready to restore your energy and achieve overall health? We are located off of Minnetonka Boulevard in St. Louis Park. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram or on the web at rootschiropracticmn.com. Book your first appointment online today. Mention that you're an AM950 listener and receive the VIP discount of 50% off your initial exam. Roots Chiropractic, located in the Texatonka Plaza in St. Louis Park. Roots Chiropractic. Empower your life and health. How's your back? This is Gregory Rich from Habitation Furnishing and Design and host of Drink in the Style. If you've been working from home, you may be noticing the shortcomings of that one-size-fits-all desk chair that you bought at Office Warehouse. So I'd like to invite you to check out the most durable, most supportive, and most productivity-inspiring line of office chairs that I know of, the X-Chair. Dozens of settings ensure a perfect fit, so you can focus on your work and not your butt. Seriously, the seat moves forward and backward, the entire back moves higher or lower, the self-adjusting lumbar support provides the perfect level of resistance, and you can only experience the X-Chair in person at Habitation. So if you're ready to upgrade your homework environment, come check out the X-Chair. Habitation Furnishing and Design, 7777 Washington Avenue South in Edina, and online at habitationdesign.com. Again, habitationdesign.com. I have been a rover 
I have walked alone Hiked a hundred highways Never found a home Welcome back to Drink in the Style. We're speaking with John Slack from architectural design firm Perkins and Will. John, what types of clients, first of all, does Perkins and Will work with? Generally mid-size, larger corporations? Uh, across the board. Okay. Um, you know, these, these could be um, Fortune 500 companies mm-hmm. uh, to governments uh, to um, – uh, regional planning agencies, all the way down to um, you know nonprofit groups. Okay, so, so it's, really it's a wide range of yep. And being that size, I would expect that you do have a bunch of stuff. And you're headquartered, by the way, in Minneapolis. Not headquartered. No, no, no. You are your Minneapolis office, rather, is in IDS downtown. right? IDS, yes. Okay. Head, headquarters for Perkins and Wills out of Atlanta. Okay. Uh, but uh, uh, the Minneapolis uh, Studio IDS is the, one of the 25 or so offices. Fair enough. What are they doing with IDS Center, by the way? Are they? Uh, didn't I read that they're going to be remodeling the uh, – Yeah. Yeah, that's space? actually a project that we're working on. You're doing it? Really? Yes, we are. We are, which is which is really fantastic. So it's, it's really just uh, uh, re-envisioning what the Crystal Court uh, wants to be in the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that ties a lot into the conversations that we've had today. Um, you know, Crystal Court – uh, is is really a public space. Mm-hmm. It's it's a it's in the central business district, so it's um, it's core to the the sort of the the downtown area. And uh, with uh, the ID, with IDS and, and the management and ownership group, uh, we've sort of re-envisioned what uh, the Crystal Court wants to be in the future. What are the thoughts, or is it confidential? No, it's it's out in the public. Okay. Uh, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot of great imagery that uh, that we've uh, created uh, to really sort of highlight what the what the vision is. But um, it's you know creating a a space that is flexible um, that can provide a lot of. Um, activation and activities, much like the uh, Chris Court uh, has in the past, you know, mm-hmm. with holiday celebrations. Uh, but it, it wants to be a, 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 a common space, a flexible space that uh, brings people in, you know, from the street, from the skyways to have their lunch, to have meetings, uh, you know, to just uh, be be sort of in an environment that's different than the, than the workspace. And uh, so we're looking at um, a new water feature, a new fountain. Hmm. Um, we're looking at a, a tree canopy, uh, a different type of creating a basically creating a room with a, a overhead tree canopy, and a, a lot of wi- a wide variety of, of flexible seating um, to accommodate you know people who want to um, you know sit across from each other at a table and eat lunch or have have a conversation or people who want to. Um, you know, just get out over the over the noon hour and read a book or whatever. So uh, it's a, a lot of flexibility is built into the design. I mean, that is exactly what we we're talking about. As you're saying, you're bringing the outdoors uh, in, and you're you're breaking the barriers between the two. When you say a canopy, I mean, you're talking about through the entire s- uh, section, or are you talking about maybe a you know a part of it? it it'll, it'll just be a part of it. Um, and there's there's a lot of sort of um, infrastructure things that we had to deal with. You know. Um, where structural elements are within the building to support uh, the weight of trees and, and, and water features and things like that. And so um, if you can imagine now, if you go into the space, there's um, a whole bunch of raised planters. I think there's 18 of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they have, they have these trees located in the raised planters. And then there's a whole bunch of benches, mm-hmm. um, traditional benches. And um, 
and it's around sort of a, a water feature, the water where the water drops out of essentially the, the roof area. It's raining. Yeah, it's raining. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so now uh, the idea is that uh, we're creating a water feature that's more of a, of a reflecting element. It still has the sound and movement of water. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then there is a there is a more substantial canopy. It's a canopy that's sort of in a grid. Mm-hmm. It's in the center part of the space. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of flexible furniture that happens below it. And so – um, it, it'll be it'll be really cool. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, when are they starting? Um, construction will start in the spring. Okay. And so everything um, is approved. We know what it's going to look like. It's all full forward. Uh, uh, approved in the sense that you know there there is there is um, there is a lot of agreements. Uh, there's a lot of support from elected officials in the city mm-hmm. uh, and the downtown community. And um, yeah, the design the design and implementation will move forward and. Um, the the construction itself is really kind of focused in and around sort of timing of when we're going to get our trees because the trees are actually going to be traveling up from Florida mm-hmm. uh, and they had to be acclimated to the indoor environment from uh, from an outdoor environment mm-hmm. um, and so um, so there's a lot of uh, sort of nuanced scheduling that goes into sort of a design project like this and uh, hopefully the intent is that it opens up by you know late summer. Midsummer, late summer. Next See, that year. is so fascinating. You're right. You wouldn't necessarily think about, you know, having to have the greenery acclimate within the space, but obviously you just plop it in. It's a disaster. Yep. I mean, that, that is so nice to hear because to me, IDS Center will will always be literally ground zero of Minneapolis. It is the point at which everything kind of, you know, radiates out. Absolutely. I remember when I first came to Minneapolis uh, and we were looking at moving in here. Um, I was astonished because there was the Mary Tyler Moore scene at the beginning in the IDS Center. I remember looking around and thinking, this is just so cool. This is so progressive. This is so much fun. It was literally one of the reasons we moved to Minnesota. So I have a bone to pick with you, Johnson. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> IDS Center is awesome. Minnesota is awesome overall. All right. Um, let's see. You know what? We're going to skip today's Habitation audio log because we're just going to go on to some – general questions rather than having to hear me read something. Also, the Japanese whiskey is doing nice work. I'm not sure I could read more than a couple paragraphs. <laughs> I want to point something out too. Um, oh, wait. We, we should go back first. So IDS Center, these pictures and stuff. Perkins and Will, how do people uh, see your projects? What's your presence online and uh, how do folks contact you? Well, uh, you know, we have a, a strong online presence, uh, whether it's through Twitter um, or uh, other online platforms. You use the Twitters? Yeah. Uh, yep. But uh, I, I think the, the, the best thing to do is go to the website uh, and you'll see from, a, from a, a global perspective the types of projects and um, really uh, you can gain an understanding of, of sort of the core values of the company, which mm-hmm. is directly reflected in who we work with and, and how we work and the sort of the projects that we deliver on. Uh, and then you can go and, and look at the Minneapolis studio. And, you know, we've been in IDS for a couple of years and we love the space. We love being sort of core, core in the core downtown and we love being, uh, you know, strong downtown advocates and residents. Good for you. And the Perkins and Will website is? Uh, Perkinsandwill.com. Perkinsandwill.com. Thanks for making it easy. Greatly yep. appreciate it. There's another thing that we should point out, which is kind of fun and unusual. You are the second half of a couple, the first couple that's ever been on Drink in the Style. Your wife, Colleen Slack from Fox Interiors, was a guest on the show. And now here you are. How does it feel to have this? Am I strengthening your marriage, do you think? Possibly, but, you know, I always play second fiddle to her. <laughs> 
Um, I always ride on her coattails. Fiery redhead. I always ride on her coattails, so it, it makes sense that you know I I would come on the show like you know eight <laughs> months later. Um, By the way, we're only using half of this show. We're only putting in thirty minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, but you know it's it's uh, it's it's an interesting dynamic uh, living with another design professional, and it, it's really uh, influenced our daughter uh, to a great extent. I would expect so. I mean, it almost is predestination in terms of what she's going to end up doing. It, it, it is amazing. I would say over the last couple of months, she's been designing her own home, oh, designing really? her future home. Really? Um, the uh, What's the big house tour going on right now? The, the creative um, or the uh, luxury home luxury, tour? Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, she absolutely had to do that. So we bought tickets in the last three weekends. We've been going. Really? And we walk into a house, and she's automatically talking about finishes She's talking about relationships of really? uses within the house. She oh goes outside. God. She talks about the landscape. She talks about you know the the architectural integrity of the house, the context. Like it, is, it is, it is amazing to see. And she has a real strong sense, design sense of of what she likes and the things that she likes to see. And we can't make a design decision in the house whether it's paint finishes or furniture without you know including her now and so it's it's interesting to see the influence that we've had on her that is fantastic she'll always have something to talk about with her too so there it is my friends we've drunk our way through another episode on behalf of habitation and the district and john slack i'd like to wish everybody good luck this coming week and i'll finish with a quote from the simpsons the tables have turned and dame fortune has hugged c montgomery burned close to her sweet perfumey bosom Good night, everybody.